Welcome to the Unprofessional Podcast, a place to explore the boundaries of work, humanity, and culture. I'm Hillary Corna, your host and founder of The Human Way. If you're ready to break out of the box, say goodbye to business as usual, and usher in a new era, one that's more human, you've found the right place. Join me and fellow unprofessionals as we dive deep on what it takes to create human-centric organizations and become fully human leaders. Welcome home. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Hillary Corna, and I am, wow, really excited to get you through this next step of the PSA process. So for those that have been joining us, these are solo episodes that we are doing about once every two to three weeks on the process that I follow my clients through. Um, These are very tactical, very detailed, very specific. So if you're looking for an interview podcast, there's tons of those. We've been um, interviewing CEOs that we've worked with as well as CEOs that hopefully we want to work with someday on the podcast. You can go look up those based on the topic. But today's solo episode is part five of the PCA process. And that is the steps that I follow my clients through. So if you're looking for something that's a bit more tactical and something that's implementable, that's what these episodes are all about. If you are in the podcast descriptions on our podcast page, you'll see in parentheses, it says solo, and you can go back to the last four and we're doing it in order of the PCA process. So this is going to be step five, developing the countermeasures. While we do this, the best way for you to follow along, because we wanted to make this as practical as possible, is actually through the master worksheet that we use with our clients. In the work that we do, we only ever use two tools. The first is this master worksheet that's contained within Excel that allows us to deliver on a go live of process improvements within only that Excel file. And then we use Lucidchart to plot out the goods and information flow. And that's the goal is to keep it as simple as possible. Now, as you'll see in our conversation today, it's not so simple. Uh, It is a little bit more complex once you get into the details, but it's simple compared to most of the stuff you see out there. So we try to focus on the tools that drive the most ROI in managing your process improvement activity. So if you have never heard of the PDCA process, the PDCA approach stands for plan, do, check, and act. It originally comes from manufacturing and essentially through my time at Toyota, we brought this from manufacturing to the sales side of the business, which was the dealerships. But instead of looking at a widget going through a process, you're looking at a person go through a process from the time they drive into the parking lot to open the front door to getting greeted for the first time, all the way down to whether they choose to buy a vehicle from that dealership or not. These are the processes we're looking at. And so since coming back to the States and leaving Toyota, I've essentially simplified the model, simplified what we did and added even more structure to it to make it more effective. And that's what we're walking you through in these solo episodes. So I've been wanting to do this for a really, really long time to be really valuable. And I'm really excited for you to get the benefits out of this next step. So in the show notes, there is a visual that describes the PDCA process. You'll want to open that up as well as the master worksheet that we'll be describing and walking through you today. Um, Otherwise, this episode will be a lot more difficult to understand. So go ahead and go to the show notes, open those up and follow along as we walk through this next step. 
So for today's step, we are focusing on step five, develop countermeasures. Now, as you see in the PDCA process, there's eight steps in total. We've already done episodes on one through four, which is the plan phase. And as a rule of thumb, we're teaching people to eradicate behavior of erratic action, right? Like, I feel like there's such a buzzword right now around agile and there has been for over a decade now, but it's not being agile, it's being ad hoc. And so when we really slow down, I don't even want to use the word slow down because that makes people so uncomfortable. But when we put more structure and systemization around how we solve problems, we're actually more effective and we actually speed up on the back end. And so plan, as a general rule of thumb, we always said at Toyota that we spend 60% of our time planning and it actually saves time and wasted effort on the back end from trial and error and mistakes. And that's where we've gotten so far is through the plan stage. And now we're moving to the do stage. Now, I want to preface this by saying what's really interesting about this do stage, as you see in the visual of the PCA process, step five, this is the part that everyone wants to jump to as step one. They say, oh, we have these problems. I know the answer. Or we don't even know what the problem is. It's we need a body. We need a solution. We need a system. We need a checklist. We need something. But they're not really clear on what they're trying to solve in the first place. And this is a question that you can steal. I find myself saying over and over, uh, over the years, which is what's the real problem we're trying to solve? Because when we just jump to countermeasures or the, the solution, you know, this culture of, oh, great, you see a problem. What's the answer? Run with it. We often don't actually get the result we want because we're not clear on the problem we're trying to solve in the first place. And so most of the time in working with teams, up until this point of developing countermeasure step five, I very much have to hold the reins back, hold the reins back. You know, don't speed ahead, don't speed ahead. And this is the point where I can finally let those rings go. They have a clearly scoped go live from step four. Again, if you missed that episode, head back in the podcast to the last solo episode on identifying countermeasures. But this is the point where I can say, awesome, you have a fully scoped go live you have these top 25 problems you've prioritized solved by these X number of countermeasures. Typically we see it's double. So let's say 50. And now you get to go develop them. And so the difference between identify and develop countermeasures, step four and step five, which is actually different from the PCA process as you formally know it for those that have been educated on it, is that uh, four is around scoping and getting fully agreement on the plan. And five is full development. It's divide and conquer, go forth, achieve, write that call script, develop that standard onboarding deck, put together the automation, put together the checklist, whatever the countermeasure to the problem is, step five is going to, to make it. And the difference here in, you know, in all of this work, which is super meta, we're looking at a process to doing process improvement, but that is that we have to compartmentalize our steps. What I see so often in companies is that they merge all of these steps. And in one meeting for six hours, they get 10 people in the room and they talk about problems, the root cause of the problems, the answers, who's to blame, when they're going to implement. They start developing sometimes and we have to break it out. And so step five is like, go forth, go away, disappear into the dark and make the answers, right? 
So there's some parameters that we put around this to make it really effective. The first one is a 30-day lead time. And the idea behind this is just simply, if you give a team more than 30 days to create something, they're going to wait 15 days to start. But again, it's not 30 days to identify the problems or identify the answers or even do research. It's 30 days to create. And so a parameter we use in prioritizing the problems is, can this be accomplished in 30 days? If it cannot, then we do not add it to the scope of the go live. And this is where that 30 day lead time starts. You have 30 days to go make the script, the deck, the tech checklist, the automation, whatever that solution and countermeasure is. And this helps people turn into action. The irony is at the very beginning of the PCA process, people want to move really fast. Then they realize the complexity effort. They want to slow down. And this is where they want more than 30 days, even though the whole time they've been wanting to go fast. And so we put that 30 lead time there to really just cap people's time and focus on action. Um, Anything longer, they will wait to get started. Anything shorter is unrealistic. So by this time you have a fully scoped go live. It is, um, as we talked about in the solo of identifying countermeasures, we've we have named a person in charge, otherwise known as PIC for each of the countermeasures. And so we know what the allocation is. If we're working with a team of 10 people, you can, you can do a lot more in one go live, but let's say you have a team of 10 people with 50 countermeasures we on average see then about five countermeasures per person to be accomplished within that 30 day lead time. So you can see the structure is what makes this successful. So that 30 day lead time starts. And then what you're aiming for uh, is 80% of a countermeasure uh, completion rate. So what does this mean? Over the course of 30 days, and if you're in the worksheet, you'll see essentially um, under the tab key operational change worksheet, column E, F, and G are your countermeasures. And by this time, they're already populated. You have a full plan. And when we're managing over the next 30 days, we're really looking at H and I, column H and I. At this point, there's no there's no going backwards on the problems or reprioritizing or adding new problems in. At this point, it's just managing status and next steps, status and next steps over the next 30 days with the goal of completing 80% of the countermeasures. So what does that mean? 80% of the countermeasures is essentially giving room for unexpected circumstances. Because as we go into developing the countermeasures, sometimes you see that even with all of the discovery and discussion and understanding of the root cause along the way, sometimes your, your idea to solve the problem just doesn't work. I've seen this time and time again. It's a great idea, but sometimes it's too complicated. Sometimes there's just many reasons why an idea doesn't work. And so this is where we allow freedom for failure, honestly. We can't expect 100% of the ideas to work. Um, Also, sometimes once we start that 30-day lead time and we get into the developing of the countermeasures, we see that 
it, the problem is actually a lot more complex than we saw originally. You get in there, you start to talk to the right people, you start to look at the processes and you see, oh wow, there's more to this than we knew in the first place. So we have to break it out and break it out. It's kind of like untangling a, a ball of string. Like the more you untangle that ball of string, the more you are clear on how things are connected and where the root cause of the problem is coming from. And so that's the case sometimes. We go in, we think we can solve the problem with this X, Y, Z key operational change. It seems pretty straightforward. And then we uncover something else. It's kind of like if you take your car to the mechanic, which is not the best analogy because sometimes if it's a shady mechanic, you might be getting screwed. But, you know, they you go in for one thing and they uncover three other things. It's not necessarily bad. And that's part of the paradigm shift in our mindset that occurs during this process is we like it when we're uncovering problems. And how can we frame the culture around, oh, we found three more things. That's great so wonderful that we found it versus them remaining hidden. So this is the developing countermeasures phase where we have uh, 30 days to complete the actual development of the key operational change with the tools needed by the person in charge that was named during step four. And then our goal is to complete 80% of them. Through this 80% of completion rate, we are then able to see and confirm our go live date. So as we described in the solo episode, step four, by the end of identifying the countermeasures, that's when we're starting to um, create a tentative go live date. We can estimate a go live date. So for example, if we complete step four by June 1st, 2023, then we have 30 days to develop the countermeasures and two weeks to do training, which puts us at mid-July for a tentative go-live date. Hey you, it's your host Hilary Corner here. I really hope you're enjoying this episode because it is made for you. We are going on our one and a half year anniversary of this podcast, and we couldn't be here without you. So if you've loved it, if you've listened to several episodes or just one episode or little bits of multiple episodes, share the wealth and come write us a written review. I want to know what you liked about it and what you want more of. So take 10 seconds, write a written review on either iTunes or Spotify and let us know. Screenshot it, send it to me in my DMs on IG or in my email, hillary at hillarycorna.com so I can personally thank you. All right, let's get back to the episode. As we go through step five of developing countermeasures, then we can get clear on a confirmed go live date. So those are two very different things, tentative and then confirmed. As we get closer and closer to that 30 days ending, then we're able to see far enough ahead to be able to say, actually, it's August 1st, 2023, that we can um, go live with these 50 countermeasures across the whole operation. So this is a huge milestone in our activity. And as you've noticed through the PDCA eight steps, every step is a milestone in and of itself. And you start to feel success in every step, the clarity, the camaraderie that comes from understanding, just the heightened awareness around process already improves things, even though you've never changed yet anything until your go live date. 
And so it's in this step that when we get closer and closer to that 30 days being up, can we say, okay, our confirmed go live day is August 1st or August 15th, which we're going to do a separate episode on specifically the go live strategy um, here in about two episodes. So keep an eye out for that in terms of how you execute, declare, and develop a calm strategy around that. But for the sake of today, just know that in developing countermeasures, it's not until the 30 days end up that we can then say, yes, we have a confirmed go live date. All right. So for developing countermeasures, if you're looking at the PCA visual or the worksheet, the main aim is that we accomplish this within 30 days. We hit a completion rate of 80% of the countermeasures. So if there's 100 countermeasures, you want to complete 80. That's a little ambitious. We've never really seen that. But if you, you can do the math, basically 80% of the countermeasures that are originally identified, we want to complete. And through that, towards the end of that 30-day lead time is when we can then confirm a go-live date. So where does that bring us? In terms of managing the 30 days, if you're in the worksheet now, I'm going to go into a little bit of detail and then wrap up on step five, a little bit of detail about how we manage these 30 days. At this point, I mentioned earlier, there's no going back. There's no adding new problems and there's no randomly cutting problems. There might be a conscious decision, again, back to the 80% rate that now you got into it and to really solve this problem, it's not feasible. That's okay. That's not a failure. That's why we have that 20% um, buffer because that's just the reality of discovering deep rooted issues in process. But so we're not adding and we're not really deleting. We might just decide that something can't be included because of what we're, whatever we're discovering, but we're not like haphazardly being like, no, we should just not, this isn't a priority anymore. But what we are doing is managing the progress. So this can definitely feel like oversight. Sometimes this can definitely feel like handholding a client of mine even recently was like, I feel like this is overkill, but it's not because our main goal is uh, completion of the countermeasure development. And so the way this tool is used in the worksheet is what is the status and what is the next step in column H? This is not a discussion of the context, ideas, nothing. So how do we say status and next steps? language that we used to use at Toyota that you can feel free to steal is in progress, not yet started or delayed. The, those three categories always summarize any status. It's in progress, which means it's on track. It's happening. It's not yet started, which means uh, this does not mean a negative. Not yet started might be on purpose or it means is implies it's on purpose and this is a scenario where you, you might have some dependencies, right? So let's say one of the countermeasures is to develop a checklist and another countermeasure is to document a process around onboarding. Well, before you develop the checklist, you have to document the process so you can figure out what the checklist is. Because all the countermeasures, we 
have a goal and we really encourage the countermeasure development to start immediately to really optimize those 30 days and use as much of them as you can rather than doing one and then moving to the next, et cetera. But there are conditional countermeasures. And so in these cases, it makes sense to say it's not yet started because we have to document the process first or we have to do something else first. And then the last one is delayed. And this just gives us a visual to say, hey, this is behind. And how can we as a team come together to get this back on track to ensure that 80% completion rate? So in progress, not yet started, delayed is the language we use for the status of the countermeasure development. And the next step is as concrete as it sounds. It could be identify the key metrics we need. It could be develop a draft. It could be get with sales to solicit their input. It could be, you know, green light this with leadership. It's specific to the project activity. So as you can see in column H of this, operational change worksheet, we're not looking at all at what the answer is, the context of the answer. The checklist should include blank, blank, blank. I don't care at all about that. It's a completely moot point. We are aiming for completion of countermeasures. So status and next steps is should always be in progress. Here's the next step in progress. Here's the next step. And in your conversations with your team, as you're managing this, Essentially, you should highlight the ones that are delayed first. You should go straight to the ones that are delayed and with the aim of, again, not pointing fingers, not blaming, not saying, why aren't you doing your job? But with the point of uh, the purpose of coming together to support them to get back on track. That's the goal of delayed. Okay, what can we do this? Does someone else need to take this over? Do we need to divvy up the responsibilities? Um, can we, you know, look at doing a draft first? Like what can we creatively do? And this is one of my favorite quotes, constraint breeds creativity, because when you get creative about delayed countermeasures, we can almost always get them back on track and hit that go live timing. And then column I you'll see in the worksheet is called decisions. And this is where any context can be contained. So as you're going through this, it might be like, hey, we're, you know, we need to organize this by core customer or something to consider is how team members store their documents in the cloud versus on their desktop. Or um, this brings up another issue we need to include in our next version and next go live. So column I is any actual context that helps manage the status of the, the operation. Basically everything I was saying earlier, like I don't need any content or context that is all belongs in column I. So over the next, over these 30 days of developing countermeasures in the worksheet, we stay completely within H and I, nothing else. We don't add, we don't subtract. We just meet weekly and say, what's the status of next step? What's the status of next step? What's the status of next step? And behind the scenes, your team is working on developing the countermeasures, like doing the hard work and dividing and conquering to execute on the completion of the countermeasures. That brings us to the right. If you scroll over... In columns K through O, this is our countdown. And this was actually an idea from a client of mine from a few years ago who 
they said once they had the go live date, they wanted to do a countdown. And I was like, that's a great idea. So we've added it to the worksheet because I'm also always improving. Of course I'm vetting, but I appreciated the idea. I thought it was clever and people really like it. And so when you have a tentative go live date at the end of step four, you can add it here in row um, 4K or cell 4K, add your tentative go live and it'll naturally count down. And then once that's confirmed, you can update it to confirmed. So that brings us to the end of step five, which is the first step of do in the PCA process. This is the part that everyone wants to jump to and we have finally gotten to, which is coming up with the answers. And we wanna be realistic about the completion rate. So it's around 80%. We wanna give people 30 days. Again, that parameter has already been set in step two problem prioritization. So there's no reason by the time you get here that people want more time because they've already said this can be done in that much time. And this is where we divide and conquer. If you have a team of 10 people, we're dividing all of the countermeasures. It's never evenly or perfect. We tend to see, you know, there's a few people that take carry most of the weight um, in terms of allocation of countermeasures and a few that carry less, but it's about the team effort to complete 80%. And by the time we get through that, we can confirm the go live date. So that is the end of our fifth solo episode on the PDCA process, developing countermeasures. Again, as you, um, or if you want to refer back to the documents, that would be most helpful. They are in the show notes, the PDCA process visual, as well as the master client worksheet. And um, next episode, we're going to do specifically on training development, which overlaps a little bit with developing the countermeasures, but that answers the question of who needs trained on what prior to your go live because of the changes made in your version of your company way. So if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please rate and review it, subscribe. It really, really helps the episodes reach more people and it gives me an understanding of what you want more of. So thank you so much and we'll see you in the next solo.